Any of you men know what these things are? Some of you men know what these things are? I mean, when your wife sends you to the store to buy disinfecting wipes, do you have to text her or call her and say, what aisle would those be on? These are all cleaning products of various kinds and sorts. Some are antibacterial, some are not. But they all have one thing in common. They clean the surface. Now, they can clean the germs on the surface. They can clean the grime on the surface. But they can't get below the surface. And whether it's your kitchen or your bathroom or your car or your grill or whatever it is that you're cleaning, you get certain cleaning products and they clean the surface. But what God does is he doesn't clean the surface. Yeah, it shows up on the surface. But what God does is he cleans our heart. He cleans us up from the inside out. We don't build our relationship with God by just trying to clean up on the outside when we're around certain people. We build our relationship with God by letting him clean us on the inside. Now the title of this series, which is going to be about seven messages, is Check Your Heart. You see, these cleaning products don't get below the surface. And, and, and 1 John is written to get below the surface, to get to our heart, to examine ourselves, to, first of all, to see if we're in the faith. Because the, these tests that are in 1 John are written that a person can look at their life and say, if this is true in my life, then, then it's true that I am saved. But if it's not in someone's life, they need to ask themselves, do they really have a relationship with Christ? How do we maintain fellowship with God? Because sin breaks fellowship. And my fellowship with God requires constant attention. Constant attention. So, treating sin lightly is like petting a lion. Sooner or later, you're going to get in trouble. For instance, look at this picture. So, nice picture. Uh, first of all, those lions were asleep. And secondly, they're only about four months old. And it was fun to pet that lion, but here's what they said. They said, now when you pet the lion scratch them hard because if you don't they'll think it's a bug and they'll slap at you and if you look at the size of those paws you really don't want to be slapped at by a lion so you first of all you stand behind it and then you scratch real hard and then you get away <laughs> but playing with sin is like trying to pet a lion sooner or later it will wake up and it will come after you, and it will take you down. We need to understand that our relationships with Christ are built by maintaining them with constant communication. So the extent to which I enjoy my relationship is determined by the fellowship. 
how much I'm enjoying my life in Christ is determined by how I'm maintaining my fellowship with Christ. If, if it's hit and miss and hot and cold, then I'm in trouble because I'm not maintaining an intimate relationship with the Lord. We, we do that in all kinds of ways in our personal relationships. We call, we text, uh, we send Instagrams, we do all kinds of things, we email. But the best way to maintain relationship is to talk, not text, because I can't see your face, I can't hear your tone, and I don't know your inflection when you're texting. But if you're talking to me, I can see how our relationship is going. In John 15, 14, it says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, that word friend there is a powerful word in the Greek. It, it means a friend of the court or in the inner circle of the king. And the people that get into the court of the king and in the inner circle of the king are the people that have earned the king's trust and have done what the king has asked them to do, and he trusts them because they obey his commands. They are at the service of the king. So if I know Christ as king, as Lord in my heart, I obey his commands and I maintain my fellowship. So here's what I have to do. I have to check my heart. If I'm moving myself away from what the king is asking me to do because I have a preference of something I want to do or some way I want to live or something I want to choose to do. So let, let's check our hearts on the seriousness of sin because our culture doesn't take sin seriously anymore. Not at all. And, and we are selective. In fact, we define sin as what somebody else does that I don't do, that I don't approve of. But that's not the way God defines sin. Sin is against the Lord. It is against holiness, and we have to deal with it, regardless of whether it's a big sin or a little sin. I, I remember when I was a kid, you know, I heard somebody say, well, that was just a little sin. There's nowhere in the Bible where you see big sin, little sin. Sin is sin. And sin separates us from God. And the reason we need a Savior is because we are sinners. And the reason that we need to maintain fellowship with God is because by nature, we are sinners and we are prone to sin and to wander away from God. Whether it's a sin of omission or sin of commission, whatever it is, it breaks my fellowship. It's a first-degree offense. You say, well, how much sin do I have to commit to break fellowship with God? Just one. Just one. That's why we have to stay current in our confession. You know, we don't wait until refresh and then and all of a sudden we go, oh, you know what, I really need to get right with God. We're supposed to stay in an abiding relationship with the Lord and stay in right fellowship and right relationship with the Lord. You know, as a couple, you know, the Bible says, you know, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And, you know, Terry and I, have never gone to sleep mad at each other. We've been up for three days. <laughs> you see, sin 
has a cumulative effect. If we don't deal with it, then we justify another sin and another sin, and we get further and further away from God. Listen, just like you need an annual checkup with your doctor, you need a daily spiritual checkup with the great physician to see how you're doing. You see, when, when I was diagnosed with cancer, I didn't know I had it. But a doctor could do a test that said, your PSA is up. And we're going to need to look at what we need to do with that. And ultimately, they had to treat it and come up with a plan. Now, would I have been dumb if I had said, I know what you discovered, and I know what you're telling me, but I don't want to deal with it. And so I'm just going to ignore it. And if I ignore it, it won't be there. Listen, if I had ignored it, I wouldn't be here for long. Because someone who could see inside of me saw something that needed to be addressed. And sin hides inside of us. And it needs to be addressed. And God has to examine our hearts and we open ourselves up. We make ourselves vulnerable to him for him to examine our hearts and say, well, you need to deal with this and you need to deal with this and you need to do that. And here's how the word of God needs to apply to your life. And so we make application of the truth of God's word because God shows us how we can be cleansed of sin. There's a problem if we think being clean with the Lord is optional. So what impact does sin have on our lives? First of all, it's the reason we stumble. It's the reason we stumble. I mean, you, you see somebody that stumbles and falls and, and they quit church and they quit their marriage, they quit life, they, they break fellowship with other believers. Why are they stumbling? Why are they falling? Because there's unconfessed sin. There's unconfessed sin. You say, well, I don't know of any unconfessed sin that they have. I'll tell you what the unconfessed sin is. They stumble because they refuse to admit that they need to daily depend on God. Moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, depend on God's grace to keep them from stumbling. There but for the grace of God go I. Don't be proud. You could be next. Secondly, it's the reason we lack power. That's why a lot of Christians live defeated lives. They lack power in their lives because sin is blocking the source of power. The source of power is the Holy Spirit. And sin blocks it and cuts the Spirit off in such a way that we can't walk in the power of the Holy Spirit to be overcomers. Thirdly, it's the reason we lack peace. It's the reason we lack peace. We don't have the peace of God and we don't have peace with God if sin is blocking our fellowship with God. It's true of any relationship. Human is more true of our divine relationship. Now you see in your notes, the first 10 verses of 1 John chapter 1 lead us to examine our hearts. In verses 1 through 4, we are to examine what we believe about Jesus. But in verses 5 through 10, we're to examine what we believe about sin. So I want to pick up in verse 3 and begin reading. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, 
so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now just stop right there. What is John saying? If you want to know how to have fellowship with God and fellowship with other people, you need to know what God's Word says. Because God tells us how to have a fellowship with himself, with his son, and with one another. So let's just apply this for a minute. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If that's the greatest commandment, then the greatest sin is to not love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. The greatest sin is not adultery or murder. The greatest sin is if I am supposed to love God with everything I have, then if I'm not, I'm sinning. So if our hearts are not hot for God right now, then something has broken that fellowship. And I'm not talking about a feeling. I'm talking about a relationship that is beyond feelings. Second great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So if that is the second great commandment, then if I've got ought against somebody or anger or unforgiveness against someone, then I'm sinning. Say, well, you don't know what they did to me. No, I don't, but I know what we did to Christ. We put him on a cross. He died to save us from sin. Verse 4, these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. This is the message we have heard from him and announce to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Jesus, he said of himself, is the light of the world. Everywhere you see God, there's light. Where you see darkness, there's sin, and there's the devil. So what are the characteristics of life? Let me just, light, let me just give you four. First of all, light is pure. It's pure. It's holy. Secondly, it's powerful. Light overcomes darkness. I mean, on the darkest of nights, you can have the weakest of flashlights, and it will show things that you cannot see otherwise. Light is powerful. It overcomes darkness. Light is perceptive. It reveals. It exposes. And then light is productive. It gives guidance and direction. If you're walking at night and you use a flashlight, or you get your phone out, it, it'll show you the way. It'll show you where the potholes are, where, where you need to watch your step. It is productive. Verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we do what? We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, John gives two hypothetical situations. One is negative, and one is positive. Just suppose someone says, if we say, just suppose someone says that they are doing this. One's a negative illustration, one is a positive illustration, but I want you to look at that word walk. That word is a linear present tense. I know that doesn't mean anything to you, but here's what it means. It means lifestyle. It, it's not about 
the steps you take with your feet. It's about the way you live your life. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet live our lives in the darkness, in other words, if we say, now remember he's writing to Christians, if we say we have fellowship with him, but the only time we think about him is when we're in church or sitting in Bible study and we don't live his life out, we're lying. We're lying. I mean, John is blunt. There's the beloved, the disciple who talks about love more than anybody else. But John says, if you're not walking with Christ, but you say you know Christ, you're a liar. You don't know the truth. The profession doesn't match the practice. Our walk and talk are supposed to match. Verse 7, if we walk in the light, not according to According to the light is walking outside the light, but looking over to see if there's something we may can negotiate. Walking in the light is having the light in front of us and guiding our path. Then he says in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. What John is saying is, if we say we don't have any sin, we're liars. And the truth, and Jesus is the truth, is not in us. I, rem I remember Miss Bertha used to uh, make us make sin lists. She was a missionary in China, lived through the communist takeover, lived through World War II and the communist takeover uh, of China. And uh, Miss Bertha used to make you make a sin list. And I remember somebody said to her one time, I, well, I can't think of any sin in my life. And she said, just guess. <laughs> and three pages later, he had made a sin list. Because he realized as he got down and God began, well, what about this and, and what about that? Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from most of our unrighteousness. What does yours say? Does anybody have a translation that doesn't say all? What does all mean? All means all, right? So if we confess, he cleanses what? All. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, this is not talking about morbid introspection this is talking about being filled with the spirit and walking with God and asking God to help you to be sensitive to confess sin quickly now some people believe that John had an actual person in mind when he wrote this if John had pastored a Baptist church he did have an actual person in mind because when when he uses this phrase if we say it indicates that John had heard somebody say, I don't have any sin. And I've heard people say, I have no sin. I, I had a professor in junior college who was a member of another denomination, and he got up in class one day, in a secular class, and he got up and he said, just for the record, I haven't sinned since I was 22 years old. And he was like 50. And I had enough sense to know, liar, liar, pants on fire. See, this person says, 
I have no sin. And John says, they're deceived. Listen, if I got up here and said to you, you know what, I don't have any sin that I ever have to deal with, my wife would stand up and say, liar, liar. <laughs> the staff would be right behind them. Liar, liar. <laughs> Why? Because they see me. They know me. None of us can say, I don't have any sin. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, what do we do? We deceive ourselves. So now we are both deceived and we've become a deceiver. And who's the deceiver? The devil. We are deceived and we become a deceivers. We deceive ourselves. And here's how we deceive ourselves. Well, nobody's perfect. Well, I know people that are worse than me. And I tell you what, if they'd get right, I'd get right. There's nowhere in the Bible that talks about that. We are accountable solely to God. Our relationship has to be right with Him, and then we get it right with everybody else. Look at this prayer in your notes. Lord, make me sensitive to anything that intrudes, influences, or impacts my life in a way not pleasing to you. Show me anything contrary to your will. Now here's good news. God will never tolerate sin, but he will forgive it. God doesn't tolerate sin, but he will forgive it. That's why he sent his son to die. So let's check our heart regarding our confession. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now there are two ways you can misuse this verse. And we use it, and most of us have it memorized, and, and we know it really, really well. But here's how you can misuse this verse. You can be flippant about sin. Just say, well, you know, if I finally get in a crunch, I'll just confess my sins. God will be faithful to forgive them. You can be flippant about sin. Treat it lightly. But here's another danger. You can become convinced that you've sinned so much that you've exhausted God's grace and forgiveness. That God can't or that God won't forgive you. He died for sin, past, present, future. Positionally, with God, our sins are blotted out. That's our position in Christ. But practically, we need to stay in constant fellowship. We need to check our hearts. I don't confess as a believer to maintain my salvation. I confess to maintain my fellowship. I have a relationship I just need to make sure the fellowship is right. To confess means to say the same thing that God says about it. To agree with God. Until we say the same thing that God says, we don't have deliverance. Because we've not confessed to agree with God. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not true. So let me give you three things here. First of all, confession is to be Continual. John uses the present tense. Continual. Not, well, I did that five years ago, or I did that three weeks ago. It is a daily abiding, a daily growing, a daily developing, a daily cleansing, and being sensitive to God 
so that I am continually maintaining fellowship with the Lord. There's not one word here about how I feel. It's all about faith to believe that God will forgive. Secondly, it's complete. If we confess our sins, plural, it's complete. It's continual, it's complete, and it is a confident confession. A confident confession, which means that I am confident because of what God has said in his word that if I do what he says, he will do what he said. So I'm confident. Now, you stay current in your confession and God stays current in his forgiveness. So the question comes, do you want your heart cleansed? How does that happen? Well, I just alluded to it just a second ago. First of all, you take God at his word. You take God at his word. Psalm 103, who pardons all your iniquities. Psalm 103 and verse 10, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. East and west never meet. When God takes them and he throws them as far as east is from west, it means they're not coming back. So we take God at his word. Secondly, we don't expect God to grade on a curve. Well, I go to church more than some people, or I'm nicer than other people, or I give more than others, or I serve more than others. So God ought to grade on a curve. Verse 5, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. Now what happens when we sin? The devil comes and starts whispering. You know, you wouldn't have done that if you were really saved. You know, I can't believe you did that. You know, that is bad. That's bad. I mean, God must hate you. He starts to whisper to us because he's the accuser of the brethren. And he's the father of lies. And he lays guilt on us. God is trying to offer us grace and the devil is trying to pour out guilt. Now, here's what I want you to understand, and, and you need to get this. When we need our sin forgiven, Jesus does not plead my innocence, because I'm guilty, my circumstances, or my upbringing. He pleads his own blood. Now, somebody ought to say amen. When we ask God to forgive us and Jesus is before the Father, he doesn't say, that's a good boy. That's a nice family. They're a good person. No, because our righteousness is his filthy rags. What he pleads is his own blood. Father, forgive them because I shed my blood for them and they gave their lives to me and because they are mine, they belong to you through my blood, by your grace, forgive them. And the Father forgives us. 
He looks at us through the blood of Jesus. We have to get in agreement that it is only through his blood and our confession of sin that we find the cleansing that we need. Now, I remember sitting in Ben's office about halfway through my treatments in Knoxville, and he said, uh, he said, Michael, he said, you're going to need to follow this with chemo. And I wasn't expecting it. I thought what I was doing was all I was going to need to do. And he said, you've done well with this. You've responded well to this. But just in case there's anything that we didn't see, any shadow that we didn't get, let's get aggressive. He said, you don't have to do it. But our recommendation is you do it. Now let me ask you something. Would you have said, well, that's your opinion. I flunked science and chemistry, and I can't read a doctor's handwriting, but I think I know better than you. Or would you have said, okay, then I guess we need to do that. And it shook me when he said it, and he reached over and grabbed my arm and started praying for me. Now, can I tell you something? When you say yes to the Lord, the Son is interceding for you. The Spirit is interceding for you. And you've just got to get on the same page with them. If you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then I want to give you an opportunity in just a moment to come down and find one of our men and just to say to them, I need to trust Christ to save me from my sin today. I need God to forgive me and to cleanse me. I'm lost and I need to be saved. And we'll share with you how you can know that you know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But maybe you're here today and you've just kind of held on to some sin and it's a little thing. It doesn't seem like a big deal. You think other people have worse sins than you do? But sin has broken your fellowship with God. And so I want to ask you in just a moment, if there's something that you need to deal with, to deal with it publicly by coming to this altar and kneeling down and saying, Lord, this sin has blocked my fellowship with you. It's been a long time since I've had an altar in my life where I've come and knelt and worshiped you and honored you and glorified you and dealt with my sin and praised you the way that I should. And today, I deal with it. Today, I lay it aside. If we confess, he will forgive. As they begin to play and as they begin to sing, you step out and you come right now.